0: Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated for the Rifuash of Ezra Ben Sarah, sponsored anonymously, and as well for the Refua of Nisim Ben Chana. We also have with us a very illustrious guest, uh, Charles, Her- Charles Harari, uh, famously known as Charlie Harari, one of my very, 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 very close friends. Um, what an honor it is to be... Uh, Speaking before him, Aniha Katan. I want to share with you a beautiful idea. Our rabbis tell us that the Sefer of Bamidbar always coincides uh, with the period right before Shavuot. And the reason is, the Midrash explains, that if a person wants to receive the Torah, they need to make themselves like a Midbar, like a desert, Hefker. That everything in the desert is ownerless, belongs to no one. Uh, anyone can take it. There's no ego there. There's no selfishness there. It's all, about, it's all humble. There are no great mountains, etc. It's all flat as well. So the Torah is only capable of being received by a person that has that humility. Traditionally, we know that idea is expressed in many different iterations uh, where we talk about the Torah being nimshal l'amayim. Torah is compared to water. So just as water, say our Chazal, our rabbis, it flows to the lowest possible point, okay? If it starts on the mountain, it just keeps flowing down, 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 all right? So too, the Torah flows to the lowest possible person. When a person has that humility, the Torah gathers in them. And it is not by mistake that the most humble person that ever lived, as the Torah me'id on Moshe Rabbeinu, becomes the single greatest receptacle for Torah ever to exist in this world. He receives Torah on behalf of the world. Not only is it received by the biggest anav, it's also received by Har Sinai, which is the smallest of the mountains in the desert, and the smallest of the the hills in that area. If that's the case, this concept of uh, humility playing into uh, Torah is such an important concept. Let's try and understand what this means and how it plays out. There was uh, an amazing story uh, with the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim one time had staying in his house. He had Rav Zalman Sirotskin, who was the ra- the Rav, the Rabbi of Lutsk. And the Rabbi comes and he sits with the ra- with the Chafetz Chaim, and uh, he's there talking. they you know time to go to bed. So the Chafetz Chaim takes the Rabbi, he brings him to the thing, and he starts to put the sheets on the rabbi's bed. This is the Gadolador. ador. He's now become, he's become, he's giving turndown service in the hotel. All right? So of course, Rav Zalman protests. What are you doing? This is inappropriate for you to be doing for me. You're such a great Sadiq, such a tamik hacham. It's not kavod for the Torah. And then the Chafetz Chaim is arguing with him, but Rav Zalman Sarotskin was so insistent, he's practically shoving him out of the room. He's nothing he can do. The Chafetz Chaim leaves... The next morning they go to Shacharit and Rav Zalman Saratskin takes out his uh, tefillin, his talet and he puts his talet on and it comes time, he opens up his tefillin. The Chafetz Chaim walks up to, the, to Rav Zalman Saratskin and he says please, he says it doesn't befit a tamim chacham of such stature to put his tefillin on. Let me put the tefillin on for you. Rav Zalman Sarutskin looks at him, he smiles. He understands. The rabbi was telling him, last night I tried to make your bed. You told me it does not befit a talmi I could do it myself. You didn't let me do it. It's not appropriate. It's not kavodah Torah. You know, you th- are you going to let me put your tefillin on because it's not kavodah Torah? You have a mitzvah to do. The mitzvah is to put your tefillin on. The act of doing a mitzvah is not beneath a person. In fact, what we're seeing from this is exactly this concept. One of the reasons why humility is required in order to understand or to learn Torah is not just to learn its principles in dot, in wisdom, in understanding, but rather to understand it in a way where it actually transforms from understanding into the world of practice. There's many mitzvot which a person might feel is beneath them. And you should know it was one of the questions that I always had on the Gemara. The Gemara says that there's a special loophole when it comes to HaShavat Aveda. If you ever learn in Masechet Bava Metziyan, El it talks about the idea that there's certain times when a aveda is not appropriate. Zaken ve'eno lefich vodo. You have a, I don't know, an animal walking down the street. You're going to have the Chafetz Chaim go now and start schlepping a cow down the street. But the funny thing is, when I learned this Gemara, the last thing in the world I can imagine is the Chafetz Chaim thinking to himself, you know... I'm old, this is not my kavod. I imagine him running after the cow, trying everything that he could to do the mitzvah. So I always had a hard time understanding what that concept was for uh, in the Gemara. How is that that a thing? It shouldn't be a thing. Like the Chafetz Chaim was saying to his guest. You know, there's a beautiful story as well. As also with the Chafetz Chaim, um, where the, the Chafetz Chaim... He met a Jew in the street, and the Jew, he asks him, he doesn't know who he is. Remember, this is before the internet, right? This is before the Chafetz Chaim had Lashon Hara campaigns, okay? So they didn't know who he was. They didn't have newspapers going around. They the Gedolim didn't have, a, you know, you didn't have Gedolim cards that everyone had. They traded as if they were, you know, baseball cards. So people came, they never, they, half of the stores of the Chafetz Chaim are someone not recognizing him right? We learn about that you don't say Lashon HaRabit yourself, because the guy didn't recognize him, slapped the Chavetz Chaim. We learn about the Chavetz Chaim's uh, his, uh, you know, his, the way he treated his books because the guy didn't realize who he was when he went for, a, for a, uh, uh, an approbation for the book. So people didn't know who he was. So some guy Hazi, comes to Radan, he sees an old Jew in the street, he says, tell me where's a bed and breakfast? The Chavetz Chaim doesn't miss a beat, turns around, he points at his house. The guy says, oh, Zaku Baruch, he takes his stuff, he starts unpacking in the Chafetz Chaim's living room. All right, I guess Raden is a one-horse town, that this is the better breakfast. You know, it's not the Ritz, I'll tell you that, right? Okay, it's, at least it's clean. Anyway, the Chafetz Chaim comes in, he says, let me help you with your bags, he's putting his bags on the thing, you know, He's hanging up his clothes, right? And the guy, he's, you know, he figures, you know, I guess I'll give this old guy a tip at the end. He makes his bed, he this, he that. The guy goes to sleep. He's so exhausted, he sleeps in the morning. Chafetz Chaim fed him. He put him in everything. He goes to Shacharit in the morning. <laughs> he's going with the, with the, with the bellboy, you know, Yanni, right? And as the Chafetz Chaim walks in, everybody stands up. He's looking around, what's going on? You know, and he realizes that the guy, he says, who's this guy over here? Whereas everyone, he says, oh, that's the Avedz The guy almost fainted. It was at a heart attack. So he, like, legit, he tucked him in the night before. He did the thing, you know, with the toilet paper when they fold both corners, which I never understood, by the way. You go to a five-star hotel, they make the toilet paper pointy. Yeah. Is that help in any way? Is that, is that more effective? Wipage? I don't understand why that is a thing. You're like, why is that more appropriate than a clean tear at the bottom? I'm not sure. Either way, the Chafetz, he did everything for the guy. And now the guy, he feels so bad. He can't see him. He's so he's ashamed. Waits until after. he's. I'm so sorry. I can't believe it. I let you do this. I let you do that. And the Chafetz, looked at him. He says, I don't understand. Do you think I'm Patur from achnasar Orchim? Like, what was the Hava Amina? Think about this for one second. Who taught us achnasar Orchim? Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu was bigger or smaller than the Chafetz Chaim? Bigger. Abraham bigger or small than all of us? Bigger. If Abraham Avinu could sit running around like a chicken without a head for people he thought were non-Jews, three Arabs that were walking in the desert, and he's killing himself, and his whole family is galvanized to make a meal. You know, all of a sudden, someone Jewish comes into the city. They're here because someone's in Cornell and NYU for Shabbat. I don't know if I want to invite the guy now. I'm so tired. I want to go to sleep. Avraham Avinu on the third day of his Brit Milah turns the whole world upside down to give these people a meal. You know, we learn from here that in order to be able to do the Torah, a lot of times, the humility is what tells me not when I think I'm the biggest or the best, but rather that my concerns and my ego and my needs are not so great that they trump always everybody else's needs. I always loved that about the Midbar. I thought this to myself, you know. There was a a beautiful piece that I read. In the Midbar, the Jewish people, they had man raining down from the heavens, correct? They had ananea kavod surrounding them, providing them with non-stop, uh, you know, climate control. They had pest removal by the bottom. You know, they didn't touch any. So what What did they need? Water, they had a traveling be'er, the Be'er of Miriam. What could they need? What could you possibly do? So for 40 years, you mean to tell me that a Jew didn't do an act of chesed? For 40 years? How'd they get by? How'd they get by Jews without doing chesed? For 40 years. So I remember seeing a very interesting idea. They say that the man, you know, it could taste like any food in the world. But the only thing it could taste like is something that you could ask it to be. Something you could imagine it being. So if someone had never had beef wellington, his his man couldn't taste like beef wellington. So one of the chasadim that Jews did with each other was they told each other about delicacies, about foods that they tasted. So now for the next 40 years, they could have Chalant. They were also Faradi, by the way, Egyptian, right? One guy who met someone from Russia, said, I don't know guys, you might not like this, but I had once at a kiddish in Egypt, this thing called herring, you're not gonna believe it. They don't cook the fish, these guys. They they just, you know, they don't even think they kill it. They just drown it in oil. It dies from living in oil. And then they put it on a cracker. And I don't know, it I kinda I grow, it grew on me like mold, okay? So suddenly all the people in the desert now they have the taste of herring. They got it. Hazaku Baruch. Another guy the next day introduces everybody to Maude. then to Cherry, then to Machshi, then to Grivenis, okay? That was a chesed that they could do. And I thought to myself, what an interesting thing. Sometimes chesed exists in the realm of practicality, a bed, a meal, and sometimes chesed can exist in the realm of an idea. Let me give you an idea. Now this idea is an act of chesed. That chesed allowed the person to have more variety in his food. So I thought to myself, I have a good uh, taste, you know, I have a... I have a good taste for scotch. I see someone having a scotch. I could tell him, "Can you taste the floral notes of the? Ch-? Can you taste the cherry?" Can-? That effectively is an act of chesed. Now, probably I like scotch too much that I think that that's an act of chesed that I should be doing. But at the same time, Rabbotai, what if you give a guy an idea for stress management? Chesed. You see, we learned. I think. In the desert, the concepts of chesed outside of the realm of the practical. But again, if your ego is driving your, your boat, your ship, your car, you're focused only on the things that you need and the things that you want, and you don't spend time wondering how you could help somebody else. Rabbi Otay, the Torah is built on that concept, that the point of a Jew in this world is not himself. One of the most powerful ideas I ever heard was a concept that the very first one of the Aserta brought was, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. And they translate those words uh, alliteratively. That God wasn't just saying, I am Hashem your God, but God was saying, Anochi, I Hashem Elokecha. There's only one I in the world. That's God. Other than God, other than that I, all we have in this world is we. The Torah taught humanity from the beginning, the Midrash says, until the end. It starts with God creating a world Yibaneh. It starts with God clothing the naked, kutnot or. It ends with God burying someone who needs burying, God burying Moshe. The whole of the Torah from the beginning to end is chesed. In fact, the Midrash explains that the reason why we have a custom to read Rut, the Megillah of Root, on Shavuot, is to communicate this idea exactly. All of this book, of the book of Root is dealing with chesed. Asita imadi. You did kindness with me. Boaz is going to do kindness with me. You're going to do kindness with me greater than the, you know, from over the metim. Right? It's fascinating. The whole of the book revolves around doing for somebody else. And by the way, in a subtle way, as well, the uh, dastardly ramifications of of what happens when a person isn't doing kindness. In fact, they say that the reason why Avimelech and his two sons passed away was because they left the area where the Jews lived. And one of the reasons why they did so was because they were stingy and there was a lot of poor people at the time and they felt that they would always be or constantly be approached for help in that time of need. So they moved away. And because of the lack of chesed, the story begins. But my friends, look at the end. Ruth does an act of chesed with Naomi. Boaz does an act of chesed with Ruth. Right, what does he do? Number one, he lets her eat from his field. Number two, he takes this girl. Boaz was like the Gadolador. He could have married anybody. Who does he choose to marry? He chooses to marry Ruth because of her modesty. Modesty comes from the root of humility. Hatsnea Okay? If that's the case, I want to just show you something so beautiful from Ruth. Boaz chooses Ruth even though her lineage was even questioned by other people. Could you imagine you're the gadolador and you take this person who just converted five minutes ago? Me, Mi, na 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 Ravel Yashiv is marrying, you know, Courtney, uh, you know, Leah, whatever her last name is. It's a little weird, isn't it? But my friends, Boaz was with Ruth when he married her, and the rabbis tell us that Boaz passed away the very next day. How long does he live with Ruth? For one day. From that union, from a union of Chesed, what happens? Comes David Amelech, ultimately comes Mashiach. From the act of Chesed, Mashiach is born. What's so interesting to me is as the world begins, Olam Chesed Yibaneh, Mashiach will once again rebuild a new world. The world of post-Mashiach, right, is an entirely new world. It heralds in first a world of Torah, of mitzvot, in a physical sense. It brings all the techayat in its wake. But after that as well, there's a world of all, only nishemot. So just as the world was created through chesed the first time round. The new world is also going to be created through an act of chesed. Magnificent concept. But it's not only that, my friends. The pasuk tells us that in the end of times, that is what we as a people will also do in order to bring Mashiach. Sion, b'mishpat tipadeh v'shaveha b'tzedakah. So again, we find this idea. My friends, I want to ask you, as we come close to this day, the day of Kabbalat Torah, when we walk towards God and say, and ve'nishma, which acts of chesed do we have in our pocket? And how many more acts of chesed could we have in our other pockets? You know, when you're a connoisseur of any one thing, it's not enough to have one. Could you imagine a guy who says he's a pizza connoisseur, he only ate one pizza shop, Could you imagine a guy who loves steak, but only ate at one steakhouse in New York City? Could you imagine a guy who's a connoisseur of scotch or wine, and all he ever had was Baron Herzog? No such thing. (laughs) What makes a connoisseur an expert is when someone has tasted all the various kinds, and they appreciate this place for this steak, and this place for this dish, and that place for something else, this one sears it, that one suvi, the next one tamahawk, the next one delmonico, <laughs> Guys, that's the nature of Am Yisrael. We were built on the seeds of our forefather, Avraham Avinu, on the seeds of chesed. We're connoisseurs in chesed. So tzedakah is one form. Advice, another form. Getting people job offers, Another form. Nichum aveilim. Another form. Helping the sick. Another form. You got to try them all. It's like Pokemon. You got to catch them all. It's our job to keep our eyes open for every single opportunity. That's what being a Jew means. Worrying about somebody else. We'll speak more about this as we get closer to Shabbat. But I want to end with this. You know, it says in the name of the Chidushi Harim that when the Jewish people stood at Mount Sinai, they all answered together that they were accepting the Torah. They answered with one voice. What were they telling God? That they were willing to accept His Torah. If one person spoke on behalf of everybody, then what should He have said? We will do and we will listen. Naasev and but if every single person spoke on behalf of themselves simultaneously, they didn't need anyone to say, and nah, Ishma, we will do. Rather, they should have said each person on their own, E'eseh Ishma, I will do, and I will listen. Collectively, that results in, a we will do and we will listen. Says the Chidush no. Because not only did every single Jewish person accept at Mount Sinai that they would do the Torah, but they accepted that we will do the Torah. Although all the acts of kindness uh, that we talk about in mind, in emotional spirit, uh, health, mental health, in physical need, in financial need, those are obvious. Sometimes we forget that the greatest act of, ch- of chesed in the world is to bring someone closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And all of us at Mount Sinai, when we accepted the Torah, did not only accept it for ourselves, we accepted that the other guy sitting next to me, that he would also do it. And if I see that his tefillin is not straight, I'll fix it. Because how could I let him sit there, not getting mitzvah, while I see and I can fix it, I can help him? The guy doesn't know about Shabbat, how could I not tell him, teach him, invite him to come to my house for Shabbat? Our rabbis tell us that you have a mitzvah to return a person's lost object. But greater than returning a lost object to its owner, greater than returning someone's stuff to him, someone's money to him, someone's possessions to him, is returning his soul to him. We learn it from the pasuk that says, "Vhashevoto, lo, and you will return him, you will return it to him. And the rabbis ask if you were trying to say that you're going to return his object to him, it should say, not v'hashevoto, should say means that you will return him to him. Because sometimes the job of returning to a person, the job is to return his own soul, his own identity to him. So many young people today, so many families have lost all concept. They've lost any memory of who they are and what they stand for. They've lost their pride in Eretz Israel. They've lost what it means to be a Jew. They've lost their connection with traditions. They have more they feel in common with their next door neighbor down the street than with any Jew in any other place or with any practicing Jew in Eretz Israel, or, or here in the States. It is our responsibility is, as an act of chesed to return to them their most treasured possession their Jewish historic heritage. One word of encouragement. One element of guidance. One invitation to be part of a mitzvah. And you never know what word, what spark will light the fire and warm that person to the point where they can make their own way home. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.